Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> gentlemen this is a two-minute round your hooks and jabs look at the female flight world this is believe it or not episode number 86 here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash two-minute round my name is felipe leon we're here every other week to talk all about female boxing and with me from riverside california mr david avila how you doing david pretty good felipe how are you Good, good. Thank you, David. And from the north, uh, what do you call that? Northern California, the Bay Area out there of California. I don't know what she's going to bring with us this week. It's been pretty hot <laughs> the last couple episodes. Miss Lupe Gutierrez. Lupe, how you doing? I'm doing good. NorCal, baby. There you go. Northern California. Don't say that to our East LA guy, uh, David Avila, because, you know, that doesn't fly <laughs> down here. Anyway, that's I that's, like San Francisco. <laughs> that's some Calif- that's some, uh, California politics, but so here we are another week of uh, two minute round with us tonight. We do have a special guest, one of our early early guests, and actually, uh, let me see if I can bring up. I don't know. If, I don't know if we got in there. Let's see if she was in the first, because I'm doing a report of all the guests that we've had on the show on the 86 episodes that we've had. Because there's been, I would say 99, 98.5 percent of the shows that we've had has had a guest and um, and I'm trying to do a, 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 a kind of spreadsheet of the date of the show and who we had on and everything on there. And I've only gotten up to episode 10 and so far she hadn't been a guest yet, but she was a guest. Oh yeah, she was a guest. She was a guest on episode number four back in May of 2016 where yeah. we had two guests separately at two different times and it was Maricela Cornejo and the second guest was Kylie Reese. So Kylie Reese will be with us again and hopefully by the next show I'll have the 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 uh the uh the whole list so that way we can kind of go over not show by show but uh every other uh important guest. Everyone has been important but we'll just go over some highlights of the people that we've had on the show here in eighty six episodes. But tonight we have Kelly Reese again. Obviously, she's pro- she's part of the Empire Boxing Team uh, that is headed by Brian Cohen. She's a former world title uh, challenger. She has fought um, a couple of times for world titles. Um, the last time was on HBO, the first uh, fight televised by HBO female boxing match, 
uh, televised by HBO, and that was she, against Cecilia Breakhouse. Wasn't she the champion? She won the championship against uh, Maricela, and then Christina Hammer took it from her. You're right. I'm sorry. So she is a former world ta- world champion. She won um, the uh, middleweight uh, title in a split decision back in April of 2006 against Maricela Cornejo. And I think the reason that we had them on the show is that they were going to talk to us about their trip out to Australia because that was in Australia because that fight was in April and we had her on May of 2016. So she was the world champion um, uh, back in 2016. That was at middleweight. And then uh, steadily she went down to welterweight and she ended up challenging for other world titles against Cecilia Breakhouse back in May of 2018, and then she's had some fights after that. We will talk about that with uh, Miss Kaylee Reeves in about 15 or 20 minutes. Before we go there, we're going to touch base on a little bit of news that has been going on in the female boxing world. Obviously, there's no fights yet. Nothing has been announced as far as a, of a concrete return of female boxing or let alone boxing. Now, there is rumors. Bob Arum has been very adamant in saying that he will resume boxing in Nevada in early June on ESPN. No word if one of the fights that he's planning is that Michaela Mayer fight against Melissa Hernandez, but he did mention that he would be having two or three, four bout fight cards uh, a week on ESPN. So if he's going to be going... Go ahead, David. I just uh, got a word that Michaela is supposed to be included in that fight card. Uh, Well, if he's going to be having... uh, yeah, she didn't say it was going to be Melissa uh, Hernandez, but it looks like she is going to be in the fight card. Well, one thing that one thing is that is they're going to be having that many fight cards, you know, two or three times a week, even if they're just four fights, and they're going to be having them that often. They're going to need some fights. And second is that I read that they want to start with U.S.-based um, fighters because obviously with the uh, travel ban or even the yeah. um, the uh you know what can happen bringing in somebody from another country you know with the covid that it would you know they want to start with u.s based fighters and melissa hernandez is based out of the east the east coast so she would be a perfect fit for michaela mayer um to fight on, on on espn so we'll see if that if that comes to fruition in june but as of now like i mentioned Nothing has been made concrete. Nothing has been made official regarding any fights that are going to be happening in um, on ESPN in June by Top Rank. But let's go uh, to a recent interview that Ines Estrada uh, did. She expressed her desire to face none other than Barbie Mariana Juarez sometime in the future. Estrada was to defend her interim WBA flyweight world title against Jackie Calvo of Mexico on March 28th before boxing ceased. In the interview, Estrada mentioned, although she would like the Calvo fight next once boxing resumes, she understands she might need to go after bigger prey to take advantage of the momentum her career enjoyed after her win over Marlene Esparza, which was on the undercard of Canelo Alvarez over Sergio Kovalev last November. So she was uh, pretty much on a high there. And then, you know, she was going to defend her title in March. That didn't happen. So she to not lose momentum, she mentioned that she would like to face Mariana Juarez. She mentioned that Mariana Juarez is uh, obviously Mariana Juarez is uh, 
long-meaning battle for the WPP, but that Juarez came paying for a long time at 115 pounds. So Estrada said that if that if Juarez was to drop down to 115, that she, Siniesa, can make 113 and make the fight, fight possible. I have some thoughts about this, but before I share what I think, what do you think, David? Um, I understand what she's doing, but uh, and, and I also heard that they were thinking of fighting Naoko Fujioka, but like you mentioned earlier, the visa problems, the the ban on travels and and incoming uh, fighters is stopped that cold. Uh, but I don't know if Mariana would drop all the way down. She's kind of big, and if anything, she's gonna go up, not down. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lupe? What do you think about that statement by Cines Estrada? <clears throat> she should fight Kenya Enriquez. And why mm-hmm. well, why won't she fight Ava Knight? Ava doesn't need a visa. All she has to do is hop a fight. And thing. and if Sinisa wants to go for an older, less active opponent, why not give Melissa McMorrow a call? But getting what? back to Barbie, like yeah, said, but getting back to Barbie, can she even make the weight? I think that Barbie can. One thing I think Barbie can. One reason why I don't believe that Sinesa Estrada is mentioning a Neva Knight and or a Kenya Enriquez is because she's looking for more clout. She's looking for a bigger right. name. And she might be <laughs> looking for, quite honestly, what she believes an easier name in a 40-year-old Mariana Juarez versus, you know, of inner prime Enriquez and a pretty still tough Ava Knight. Melissa McMorrow, she hasn't fought, but Melissa McMorrow, I mean, doesn't have the clout that Mariana Juarez does. But turning the pay, turning the coin, go ahead, David. And another thing, too, that wasn't mentioned is that she's after a world title. She wants somebody yeah. with a world title. Well, and, they're uh, fighting at 115. Kenya doesn't have a world title, and neither does uh, Melissa Ava. at this moment, and neither does Ava. Yeah. Uh-huh. But if they were be fighting at 115, they wouldn't be fighting for for Juarez's bantamweight title, anyways. And then what? Yeah, what but would Juarez be the, is huge. Yeah. Yeah, but what would be the point of Sinesa Estrada winning the bantamweight title when it's not her weight class, and she's always complained oh. about fighting above her weight? But the, but but it's neither here nor there because it seems to me like Sinesa Estrada, like by the statement that she made on this interview, that she wants to that she wants to impose the 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 details of the fight saying that it could be at 115 and and that she could go up to 113 when Juarez would be the one stating at what weight it's going to be at and mm-hmm. why would Juarez why would Juarez fight Estrada it's not like they're going to pay her what she would make fighting at Jackie Nava or fighting at 122 pounds for the title there against Jaimili J- Mercado so what is the benefit what is what does Juarez get out of fighting Estrada? That, that brings up a good point. How much money would a Mariana Juarez and Jackie Nava fight uh, make for each fighter, in your opinion? I'm going to guess pre-COVID, I would say that they wouldn't step into a ring for less than $150,000 in Mexico. Somewhere close, each one of them. Maybe Juarez, $150,000. Maybe Jackie Nava, $125,000. Because Juarez is a bigger fighter. She's she's on the bigger network. She's more famous than Jackie Nava. Post-COVID, I don't know. Half of that? Mm, 
but, but pre, yeah, but pre-COVID, I mean, before COVID, I mean, she's never really stated how much she makes, but around the grapevine, I've heard that in the last couple of years, Juarez has been making, you know, like close to six figures for the majority yeah. of her fights. Because you also got to remember that she does fight like, you know, three or four times a year. So she's not making half a million dollars in a year, but she might be making, you know, two fifty, three hundred thousand in a year after uh, after uh, three or four, after four fights, maybe a little bit less, who knows? Because she is like one of the biggest names male or female on the Televisa network when it comes to boxing. You know, she is mm. one that draws the biggest ratings. And they, they're, they, she can fight anywhere in Mexico, and she draws a huge crowd. I mean, we've seen her fight in Mexico City. We've seen her fight in Juarez. We've seen her fight all over Mexico. And every time she fights, there's big crowds there. So, so she's a big name. And I don't think that Golden Boy is willing to um, – invest that much in an opponent for Estrada. Now, moving on, the mm. current WBC super featherweight champion, Terry Harper, and her next challenger, Natasha Jones, met with Eddie Hearn via an online interview to talk about their rivalry. Their fight was to take place yeah. on April 24th, was to mark, which was to mark Harper's first defense. Hearn said along with Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano fight, this matchup is one of the first he would like to present. In the interview, uh, Harper was confident she could dispose of Jones fairly quickly and by knockout based on their mutual wow. opponent, Vivian Obanoff. So Harper mentioned that in their mutual opponent, Natasha Jones actually surprisingly lost to Vivian Obanoff, while and Harper claimed that it was on short notice versus her fight against Obanoff that Vivian had enough notice to get ready and that Terry Harper beat her. So, um, you know, Harper has been on the news. We talked to her about her last time, too, with a little back and forth that she had with Michaela Mayer. I mean, after winning the title against Eva Wallstrom, meaning she has the right to fight a homegrown opponent, even though Natasha Jones has a pretty extensive amateur career and a pretty uh, pretty good pedigree in the amateurs. She, she might be that case of that amateur fighter that, that doesn't really have it for the pros after losing to a journey woman, if you want to use that word, against Vivian Obanoff. So um, if this is the fight that Eddie Hearn wants to make next for Terry Harper, I have no problem with it. But in her next couple of fights, I think that she does have to take on somewhat of a better challenge than than, than uh, T- Natasha Jones, Lupi. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I saw a little of that video. It was, it was pretty good interview between the two of them. I had a little problem with it. I mean, Natasha's like 51 and 24. Terry's 10 and 0. And Vivian's like, I don't know, she has like 15 fights. But what's the protocol? I mean, she's a world champion now. And who's really up to fight Terry next? I mean, this is why fighters like Michaela Mayer get frustrated. Well, I think the so, fight to me, yeah. go ahead, David, go ahead, David. Yeah, uh, well, I think one consideration, too, is the fact that, you know, all these travel bans both ways. It goes both ways, too. And I think uh, because there is a, a regional feud going between them, uh, they, the zone wants to get interest. And this is a perfect opportunity to try and get that interest for them. But I understand exactly what Lupi's saying because, you know, Michaela has been trying to get that WBC – title she's trying to get any title 
and she just can't seem to be uh, to get what she wants. Hey, David, yeah, I mean, why is that? She's what, what is top that? Rank. I mean, why is that? She's with top rank. Well, I think are basically... Are they putting her, it, they putting her on the shelf or what? What do you think? No, I think what it is is they just been outbid. I, mm-hmm. uh, they from this is from my sources that on several occasions they were outbid. That top rank offered this and somebody else outbid them and they got to fight. That's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was told. I, I can't substantiate that, it, but that's the rumor. Well, and that's what it came out of Eddie Hearn's mouth. Too. Well, his tweet. That's right. That's what he said. And yeah, and he well, also seconded that too. Well, none of this kind of, I mean, we've, we've, we rang this bell over and over and over on this show and it's kind of getting, it's kind of getting to be old news, but nothing, nothing of that is going to change unless the sanctioning bodies start ordering the mandatory challenges. Because like Michaela Meyer said, she's the number one. She's the number one. The world champion has to fight her at one point or another. She's the number one. You know, and the WBC is, for whatever reason, is not mandating yeah. that world title fight. Now, it's top rank knocking on Mauricio Suleiman's door and saying, hey, we need you to mandate this fight because our fighters are number one. I don't think so. I think that w, I think the top rank is taking their time with Mikel Amir, like just like they've done with other prospects that they sure. have brought up. And they Very have, true. you know, a great a great track record of building champions. I mean, if anybody, they have the best track record of building cha- mm-hmm. of, of champions. And I think that's what they're doing with Mikel Amir. And we all know that Top Rank also has a cozier relationship with the WBO. So I think when the time comes, um, let's see, is the WBO Super Friendly title vacant? I believe it is, but let's find out. And we have Kayla. So is right it? Is it? Right, let me check real quick. And then we'll bring up Kaylee because I think she's on. She's on there. Uh, I believe you're right, but I just want to double check. Uh, Super featherweight. Super. Yeah, Edward Bronica is a WBO uh, world champion, undefeated in 19 fights with two knockouts. She won the title on February 22nd, 2018. So they, I think that if anything, that's going to be the fight that they're going to try to make. And I think she's going to be fighting soon in Poland. I think they're coming back, I think, in June with fights in Poland. Uh, and I think she's having a fight pretty soon. But before we touch on a couple other uh, news and notes that we have, let's bring on our special guest. None other than former WBC middleweight champion and former welterweight world title challenger, Miss Kaylee Reese. Let's bring her on. Hello. Hey, Kaylee. How you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm so glad you got my name right. Oh, we were actually before we went live, we were trying to figure out how to pronounce it, but I'm glad that I took a I took a stab out with it and went with Kaylee. So. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a good choice. <laughs> good, good. So thank you for being with us again on the two-minute round. We were actually on the top of the show. We mentioned that you were one of our first guests on this show way back in 2016. It was our fourth show ever. Now we're at number 86. And you were on oh, wow. the show back then uh, talking to us about your trip over to uh, Australia where you won the WBC middleweight title. Uh, but with that said, I'm going to pass the baton to Mr. David Avila. David? Kaylee, welcome back. I'm glad to have you back again. Thank you. It's a, I like being on the 86th show because that's a good year. 
I was born in that year. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so are you a baseball fan? No, not even gonna lie. Nope. <laughs> okay. But well let let's uh refresh the memory for for some of our listeners here. Um, how did you start in boxing? Um, really, you know, sporty as a kid, always wanted to play sports. Um I didn't think boxing was really huge in Rhode Island until I found out about the Vinnie Pazes, Mr. Fiorentinos, the Jamie Clampett, like, later on in my career. But, um, you know, I just – I needed an outlet. I went through a couple of things as a kid um, and just needed somewhere where my mind wasn't racing and I was just working through a few things. Um, I took a class at um, – first, a friend of my mom, he would actually used to be a fighter, a Native American fighter out of uh, Connecticut from the – the Narragansett tribe he used to fight back in the day. He came to my house, showed me a couple of things, and um, I found Manfredo's gym in Pawtucket, took a couple of classes, sparred, fell in love with it. And um, now through my whole journey, fast forward 11 years later being pro, um, I found a whole bigger reason to fight um, outside of myself. So it's been quite the journey. So so how old were you when you first put on the gloves? Um, around 13 or 14 years old, that's when um, Domingo Tall Dog started coming to my house. He put a bag up, showed me some couple of things, told me to run here and there. Um, so about 13 or 14 years old. And before you were a pro, what was your, your, your biggest uh, uh, award or biggest win as an amateur? Um, probably as an amateur, the 2007 Rocky Marciano tournament was probably my biggest win. Um, I won the New York Golden Gloves over by walkover in 2006. It doesn't even count. So I didn't get a lot of amateur experience. Um, I did a lot of smokers around. Um, I didn't have the financial means um, or people interested enough for me to be pushed as an amateur. And I don't have an amateur style, so my amateur background is not extensive whatsoever. And when, what made you decide to become a professional? Um, I might as well get paid for fighting people. <laughs> so, um <laughs> Honestly, I, you know, I fell in love with the sport because the solo aspect of it. I mean, I've done team sports, but in team sports, you know, if you have a bad day, there's a whole other team to kind of get you through that game. But with boxing, since that point in time in my life, I was going through, you know, trust issues, couldn't really trust people outside of myself, um, kind of had to deal with myself and really couldn't confide in nobody um, what I was going through, couldn't really express myself. So, um, you know, boxing, if you don't do something, that's that's your ass. You know what I mean? You don't have anybody else to blame. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just something that I really resonated with me um, as far as yeah, having that inner warrior spirit as well as being a mixed indigenous woman. Um, it was the first time that I could do something, and that's all I was thinking about. So that just, it, it turned into a love for me, and I'm a very artistic person by nature, so I just kind of saw it as an art, another way to express myself. And I wasn't doing anything in the amateurs. They didn't have female boxing in the amateurs when I was coming up. Um, it was like right after I went pro, they decided to kind of go ahead with it. So, um, And I, I, I have a professional style, so I just wanted to see, you know, everybody told me what I couldn't be. I was going to prove everybody who I was going to be in boxing, world champion. And what is, uh, what's been your favorite fight so far as a pro? My favorite fight as a pro? Yeah. Ah, uh, let's see. When I knocked Tamara down the first time, um, when I put <laughs> Cecilia down for her first time. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of great moments and a lot of fights that people love to overlook me. Um, but I'll say to date, um, the Cecilia fight was 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 a good one because you know, I I proved a lot of people wrong and I proved myself and a lot of other people right that I was supposed to be in a top elite. I'm a top elite fighter, so. 
even though I quote unquote lost that fight, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot more about boxing. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it's a scary, surreal moment because that's not even me at my best. And I, you know, quote unquote lost from the undisputed best. So I can only get better from here. So that was probably my favorite fight because not because of her or something she did or something my specifically did, just because it was a, a moment of evolution for me in my as a fighter in a whole. What about part of being a, a history? I mean, you were an HPO. That that was a, a dream of almost every female fighter that I met, to fight an HPO. What was that like to know that you were part of that? That was – I sometimes I still – I will not forget, but it's still um, – it's still settling in. I mean, we didn't originally had, didn't even plan to be on HBO. It was just the fact that we had a good fight in front of us. It was great. I mean, I found out that we were officially going to be on HBO. I was in Walmart with my manager, <laughs> and he kind of nonchalant turned to me. He was like, "Yo, we're going to be on HBO." I'm like, "Wait, what?" So I started like tweaking out in Walmart. I mean, that 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 is <laughs> winning that winning that green and gold WBC belt and being on HBO is like every boxer's young boxer, young fighter's dream. And I just, that was like, wow. It was a wow moment for me. I was like town cashiers and everything. They didn't care, but I was all excited. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like going to the press conferences and you had TV cameras, you had everything. I mean, you were, it was outdoors. I remember that. And I remember it was a little cold, but what was it like for you to, to, to have that experience? It was um, just a, actually, you know what? When it comes to fighting, and because I have so much a uh, bigger purpose, you know, being, you know, the first one's fight on HBO was was a huge deal. Don't get me wrong, um, but the fact that I, I was there and I had a lot to prove um, and a lot to fight for, you know what I mean? It was just another day. When I was at the office, honestly. I don't the crowds don't get to me when I'm in my fight mode. Um, I did have maybe like a minute of like, oh man, I'm on HBO. I mean, had there not been other discrepancies to the entire fight and leading up to the fight, I probably would have had a minute to let it sink in before I walked out to the arena. Cause the first time I even saw the arena was when I actually walked out. So, you know, when I was standing there and they were announcing, um, my opponent, like, you know, I had that five seconds of, oh, snap on HBO, but it was just, a, just another day in the office. I had a job to do, you know what I mean? So, um, I kind of it sunk in afterwards. <laughs> And after all that, you 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 had a close fight with uh, Cecilia Brackett. Um What kind of response did you get from people around you? I got nothing but love, man. I mean, fighting in California. Let me tell you something. The boxing fans there are like tremendously enthusiastic. Oh, they are true boxing fans, and just the love from the crowd and from the people around me was amazing. You know what I mean? Um, you know, everybody has their own opinion about that fight. I'm sick of talking about it. I don't even know why she didn't ask her why she didn't want the rematch when you had her on, but we'll get to that in a minute. But um, just, I got so much love from, from boxing fans around the world, and not even just from California, but from everywhere. A lot of respect, a lot of respect and love after that fight. Uh, Kaylee, I'm going to pass you on to Lupi. Lupi Gutierrez. Hi, Kaylee. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I'm used to seeing you on your face. I'm usually know, cooking dinner. <laughs> <laughs> or your so dinner entertainment. <laughs> yes. So it's great having you on the show. You know, you I love what you I love what you do outside of the ring. I mean you fight for all nations. But before we get to that, 
let's talk boxing. Yes, let's. So, so we all know what's going on with Franchon Cruz's earned situation. You know, she's been denied the WBC belt up to this point after her fight with Alejandra Jimenez, who was caught with pets in her system. There's an ongoing investigation, and the WBC has yet to make any decisions after the WBO has already given the belt back to Franchon. But in your case, you know, you fought Cecilia Brackett, and like you said, you knocked her down for the first time in her career. But not only did she win by unanimous decision, you were never offered that rematch. That you not only deserve, but we definitely, we all want to see it. Mm. So my question, and I got a few questions in one. So do you feel slighted by the WBC? Did you ever have any private conversations with Cecilia? I mean, was there anything said between you two that we don't know about? Um, Can you share the juicy juice? Oh, I got, you got time? Because I got tea, I got juice, I got juice boxes, I got Gatorade, I got electrolyte, what you need? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, this is not, I can't say, and this is not, I don't, you know me, I don't talk junk, I don't mouth off, I just speak truth. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. this fight wasn't the first time that I felt like, kind of like, like, I don't look down upon. I don't really know how to say it without sounding like bad, but by the WBC. Because the first encounter that I had with a negative experience with the WBC was when I actually won the middleweight world title in New Zealand against Maricela Conejo. And hmm. uh, when Maricela lost, and she lost a clear loss against me, um, she had made this whiny video about how she lost and how it wasn't fair and how the judge is this and how it wasn't fair that. And she just cried all over Instagram for about two minutes. And Mauricio had the audacity to go tweet on Twitter before, mind you, this fight wasn't streamed or anything. Nobody saw the fight live. They had to wait until they put out the video. Oh, this is, this is absurd. Oh, we need to check the judges out. We need to look at the judges' scorecards. Mm. Completely immediately took her side and I didn't get no love from the WBC, and I just kind of saw that on Twitter. So that was first and foremost. And it was like mm-hmm. pulling teeth for them to even try to get to represent me as their new champion. Um, it was almost like I threw a monkey wrench in the whole master plan with Maricela. And, again, no disrespect to nobody, but I just call it how I see it. So mm-hmm. the only person that kind of really stuck up for me in the WBC, she's a sweetheart, is Jill Diamond. She made sure things mm-hmm. were handled and things were um, kind of like, uh, iced over a little bit, but I really felt disrespected because every other champion that you have, you know, you, you, you support your champion and you don't go on Twitter saying absurd things without even seeing the fight. So that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. He took the tweet down, things that iced over, but I didn't, I felt very disrespected. Um, another time was when I had the WBC middleweight world title and they made me go over to Germany to go fight Christina Hammer to go defend my title. And they told me I had no manager, no promoter that we, we, she's your mandatory, and you have to go over there to defend. Otherwise, you're going to strip. You have 30 days to go to purse bid. Obviously, I don't. I can't go to purse bid because I don't have a, a promoter. So I got. It was either we're going to strip you or come over here and fight, which you, we all know when you go overseas, don't matter. And I said, you know what? I might as well fight for my belt and get paid for it. And y'all know what happened. She quote unquote won, and I lost my title. So that's kind of like the set two times before this Cecilia thing even happened. So the third time is I should have been a mandatory. That was a the the fight was a good fight. I'm not even saying because it was me. I'm a avid boxing fan, and it was an excellent fight. It was a fight that people wanted to see. It was a fight that was good for boxing. She rematched mm-hmm. Kayla Lorenz. 
for no reason. So why wouldn't she rematch me? And she's the one who said it. So, I mean, the WBC should step up and say this is your mandatory because I'm ranked in the top five in 140 and 147, and I have been for the last two years. So you would think that they would step up being as such a high caliber of a of a, uh, a world title as they are. But that's not the first time. This is about the third time. Mm. That's a little yeah, juice. So I got more juice. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And that's great you share that because we all – need the whole picture, you know. We we need to know all these details so we can make our own, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just great information to have, so thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, no problem. And, hey, are you ever going to fight Miller, Raquel Miller? And why sure. hasn't the fight happened with Layla McCarter? Um, Layla McCarter has her other plans. I mean, I let my team handle the, the details of it, but I, I've always expressed for me, part of, for the last maybe two or three years, I would love to fight Lila McCarter. I think that would be an excellent fight, not to mention where she's number two, number three. We kind of go, I don't know, it, de- it depends on what mood the sanctioned bodies are in that day when you look up rankings. But anyway, we're, I, I think it would be a really, really good fight um, to kind of make a number one contender for, uh, spot in. She's, you know, a legend. I would love to fight that fight. I mean, the technicals, you can talk to my team about that, but I would love to. And I would, of course, like to fight Raquel Miller. Um, she's at 54 right now. I'm trying to stay at 147, but we can make that happen as well. We just got other plans for our career right now. But you know me, I don't duck nobody. Yeah. Has she ever mentioned you in any of her – I know she mentions Clarissa a lot. Has she ever mentioned fighting you? No, I mean, but a little birdie told me that she thinks she she thinks she can beat me, and that's okay. That's I, I've heard that through the the boxing boxing laces, if you will. So I mean, that's cute. So I mean, no problem if you think you can beat me. That's great. I, I have no beef. It's boxing. Let's get it on when it makes sense. When it makes dollars, it makes sense. I know because those would be two great fights. Absolutely, and, and of those course, you're in the bracket. Well, you should have asked her on her interview why she. Why she hasn't fought me again yet? <laughs> I, you know, I did ask her. What did I ask her? I asked her who her toughest fight was, and I thought she, you know, she thought about it, and I thought I, I was like, "This is it. She should say it," you know. And she didn't say no. it, but that's okay. Maybe yeah. it wasn't. It's all right. I'm not in that. Nope. So I mean, as far now, as that fight goes, to oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was gonna as do. I mean, don't kind of going with the WBC thing. I'm sure you heard before about the whole Cecilia fight with the gloves and she wasn't going to fight in the WBC and the fight wasn't going to happen. That that whole debacle, that fight wouldn't even happen if it wasn't for me just agreeing to fight in bigger gloves, honestly, at the end of the day. Again, no disrespect, no shade, just telling you the truth. She was not going to was fight that, me in eight ounces. Was that last minute or was that... That was last minute because after after the weigh-in, we had the rules meeting, and, um, you know, in my contract, I know because I fought at 147 before, it's always been eight-ounce gloves. As far as I know, since the dawn of boxing time, it's been eight-ounce gloves. And um, we had the eights, and she had tens, and um, her corner at the time, Lucia, had looked at my, her gloves and said, we have tens. Is that okay? We have to get, like, we have to get smaller gloves. And Cecilia was like, no, absolutely not. I always fight in tens and another fought in eights. And it kind of turned into a big, big thing. And the um, the state of California is regulated eight-ounce gloves. Every other sanctioned body except for the WBC is eight-ounce eight gloves. Um, so she said she wasn't going to fight me in, in eights. I said I wasn't going to fight her in tens. So the fight at the, at the weigh-in was up in the air. 
um, she was put her foot down and she wasn't going to fight me in eights. She said, we, we aren't gladiators, not going to fight in eights. And WBC stepped in and said, it's, we have to fight in tens. I said, well, screw the WBC with all due respect, yo. There's four other belts. We can still fight. Let's fight in eights. Um, I didn't know I was fighting definitely until about an hour or two until we headed to the arena where um, I ended up having to get special ordered quick tens. And I said, you know what? This is an opportunity for women's boxing to make history. I'm not going to let two little ounces in her tantrum throw this off for all women's boxing because this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance. You know what? Give me the tens. I'll fight her in tens. If I hadn't just said okay, then that fight would have never happened. She wasn't going to fight me in age. That's a great attitude. I mean, that's the kind of attitude that's great for for female boxing, you know? But I guess when you're on top, if you can make the decisions, that's how you stay on top, right? Yeah. Yep. I had to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. there. And you know what? In your life, there is a big, big bigger picture. You know, let's talk about your fight for all nations. I mean, you fight for the missing and murdered indigenous girls. We just had that day. You know, you mm-hmm. mentor the youth. So tell us what you're fighting for outside of the ring. Man, I fight for so much. And um, this didn't, um, you know, like I said, boxing didn't originally start like that. You know, I was young, lost, needed something. But I knew there was something bigger in it. Um, it kind of came a, came along um, when a friend of mine, she was helping me with my marketing. She's like, you know, what do you really fight for? Now, I know you're, you know, you're, you're a warrior and everything. And, you know, as Native American or Indigenous people, we have, we all have a, a, a medicine, what we call a medicine. It doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, out of sacred fire, thanking the creator as how you pray. You know, we all have gifts. We all have medicine and they have energy. So my gift is war. My gift, gift is warrior. My gift is fighting physically and, and mentally for my people. So as a modern day warrior, I just, you know, what do you fight for? Well, I fight for everybody. I fight for you. You know, I just don't fight for my tribe. And she's like, well, what do you mean? She's kind of like trying to get it out of me. I was like, well, I fight for our nation. I was like, you know, the four directions, um, grandmother moon, grandpa, I kind of, you know, we went into our whole tantrum. <laughs> we could be long-winded at times, but um, it kind of really, I realized how, you know, what I think about what motivates me, um, you know, everything I've been through, and I kind of ball it up into some energy and, and the prayers of my people, and I, I found out the cause and how I'm so passionate about it, it carries further than I could ever even imagine. You know, I started getting stories from people who started boxing because they saw a mixed na- a native girl or mixed native doing something that they wanted to do. And it just kind of just was like a brush fire and it's turned into like a movement. Like I said, this is kind of how, this is how I pray. You can't tell anybody how they pray. If I, I know in my heart that what I'm doing is, yeah, I'm fighting, but it's an art, it's energy. You know, I'm moving the energy just as a something tangible for our people to grasp right now. We've been fighting for centuries. So I'm just, Mm-hmm. Doing my due diligence as a warrior. Yeah, I've seen you grow with it too. I mean, I see when you started, and now you're mentoring, and you're in the magazines. You know, I mean, you're being featured. It, it, it and I'm learning a little with you too, because I'm like homeschooling my son, and we're learning about you know American history and the War of 1812, and and I know what I've learned from you, so I can explain it to him in an in an honest way of you know about the mistakes of the country. I learned from you. Yeah, in short. I oh, I appreciate that. That means a lot. I, I mean, as long as I can kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to motivate a bunch of young female boxers. That'd be awesome. But I'm just trying to motivate or re- let 
my at least my people know and remember, not know or learn, remember who, who we are. We're still here. Just be that positive representation because, you know, I'm like an anomaly of, of all negative things. You know, I'm gay. I'm half this. I'm half that. I'm black. I'm, I'm native. I'm like everything. And I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Everything that could be like negative, quote unquote, is something I've been fighting since I came here in this life. So, I mean, why not turn it into something positive and just keep going to be a positive representation? I'm just trying to be who I didn't really have much of as a representation to kind of look towards for guidance when I was that young kid, a teenager, kind of just yeah. all messed up. Yeah, you're all positive to me. And we say the same thing, you know, me and my sister, we're like, we just want to be to the other girls who, you know, we we didn't really have, you know, and that's why we do it. Same thing. Same thing. Absolutely. But I love hearing about it, and I'm glad you came on and to talk about that, too, because it's really important. It's really Thank important. you so much. Anytime. Yeah, and thank you. Good talking to you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Good talking to you, too, man. We got to do this more often. <laughs> of course. See you on your live. Yes, absolutely. Felipe? <laughs> yes. Kelly, a uh, couple of questions here before we let you go. I know it's kind of late out there on the East Coast. You know, you mentioned you gave us your story about boxing and everything. And looking at your box rec, you've traveled all over the world. When you started boxing, did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you were going to be at one time or another in Germany, in England, in Spain, in Australia, and all the places that you've been to uh, with your boxing career? Did you ever dream of that? No. If you would have told me when I, you know, first put on those dusty Everlast gloves that smell like a foot on back when I was like 14 years old, that I'd be going to New Zealand or Germany, Costa Rica, Spain, and and, and boxing and winning titles, absolutely not. I mean, at that point, I was believing what everybody else said I would be, which was nothing. And but I knew I had what it took, and even though it might have been, it's not the prettiest career, but it's my career, and it's been my journey, and I wouldn't change not one fight, not one scenario, not one situation, even, I wouldn't even change the fact that Brian Cohen didn't answer my email back in 2011 when I first wanted to manage me, but it's all mm-hmm. good. Um, I never would imagine that, never. You know, one of the things that I like about you is that you're very frank. I mean, you you. You, you speak your mind and, and you tell it how it is. And you've done it here on this interview with us. And you did it in the interview when I met you after the breakhouse fight here in LA um, at the, back then it was the StubHub Center. So I'm going to ask you a question and I know you're going to be frank with me. You have seven losses in, in your career. Which of those seven losses is the one that hurt the most? Hmm. <laughs> I'll say probably huh, I I'm gonna I to say each one in their own way. Um hmm. you know, um but I don't I'm not I'm not mad at the losses because I've always taken my losses with no excuses. I walked away, learned from from it and um no did what I had to do. like I said, they all were excuse my language they're all real shitty in their own in their own way um but i gotta say probably against hannah gabriel's because that fight was a train wreck that fight um i didn't have anybody familiar in my corner it rained i knew there was so much more we could both do 
Um, especially me, I can beat her. I I would love to fight her again. That was that's that'd be another excellent fight. But I was so upset because I was focused on so much other, so many other things. Um, but like I said, I think they all have their own sting in their own sense. Um, I shouldn't have any losses, to be honest with you. I'm that good of a fighter, and I could have been even that better had I been moved a little bit different, had I had different circumstances. But it is what it is. I have them, and I learn from them. Um, but yeah. I mean, the biggest stage doesn't matter, like Cecilia versus, like, uh, when I fought Michaela Loren. No one's ever even seen that fight. I almost killed her in the seventh round. You wouldn't see that. I knocked her down. They counted, like, molasses. But, um, you know, each of them have that, that, that sting because it's like, I know I could have I could have just something out, maybe. I guess if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, you just mentioned that you should you feel that you shouldn't have any losses. Which of those losses do you feel – it was like a complete, you know, there's no way that you lost that fight and there's no way that that should be a loss. Which one of those is the most disputed by you of the of the losses that you have? Okay, Alex Lopes, Alexandra Lopes, the one time I lost from her, um, and then Cecilia, I think that at least deserves a draw that was not a loss, but whatever. Um, there was, a, you know, against... Um, Hannah, I mean, um, Hammer, the first one, I just started too late. I mean, there's kind of a, there's a commonality in, in most of my fights prior to where I'm at now. So um, as long as I can not make the same mistake, um, I'm okay with it. Sometimes you need those losses to remind you. But, um, yeah, those 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 couple should have been losses. Now, and my last question about your losses, because I know that it's not something that fighters like to talk about, but I, but I, I don't get a chance to talk to – a lot of fighters that are willing to answer the questions truthfully as much as you are. So of all of the seven losses that you have, which one do you admit, you know, you accept as a loss that maybe that wasn't your night and they got the better of you? Um, I would say when I fought him the second time, my game, my head wasn't in the game. Um, uh, just because of the circumstances, like I told you, when I went there, I was like, F it. I'll just get my I'll just get my check. They're making me come out here, you know, I didn't have the proper this and that that builds on me, not excuses, but I was, she just actually after after the fourth round, I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to go home. They did they did open front and from what I was told and from what I was seeing from what I was getting um hearing from my corner, I was up. But I heard the open scoring at the, after the fourth round, and I was down all four rounds. That just took the wind right out of my sails, and I just wanted to go home at that point. I felt disrespected. I felt like it was just, you know, I was set up. I didn't feel, I didn't feel right. So after the fourth round, I was like, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, have that. Just keep my money. To be honest, yeah. you, that's what my head. Is, you know. Thank you for that. Now let's move on from from losses and talk about the future. Obviously, we're in the middle of this. COVID-19 thing, and it looks like there might be some boxing coming up behind closed doors, you know, whatever the case may be. So if they told you tomorrow that there was a fight for you in the future, how much, what's the least amount of time that you would need for you to feel confident enough to get into the ring? Three weeks. And, and And in those three weeks, would there be a possibility of you doing some sparring? And if not, because this is a question that I have with not only female fighters, but just what's going on right now with, with, uh, with COVID, you know, they're saying, you know, they're going to start up in June. And you just mentioned right now that if you gave you three weeks, you're going to do whatever you need to do. Um, 
to get ready for that fight. But let's say, for instance, that that you can't get sparring, that for whatever reason you just can't do it, nobody wants to come out and spar you, you know, they're afraid, they don't know what's going on, they don't want to come out of their house, and for whatever reason you can't get any sparring. How big of a difference would that be in your preparation of going into a fight without any sparring? And you might have done it in the past. I don't know if you if you have the answer to that. Well, I got plenty of neighbors. There's plenty of sparring on my street. Oh. <laughs> 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 No, I mean, at this point in my career and the team I have now and the knowledge that's in my corner, um, you know, we always come up with game plans. We come up with a game plan. I wouldn't be worried about it. I trust in my skills and trust what I know and um, just work on certain things. You know, we, we make we make lemonade in, in my in my whole life, with, especially with the, the dope team I got now. We make a strategy. We make it work. You know, we always find a way to make it work. I mean, obviously, obviously the, the sparring is ideal. But my trainer and my everybody else is just having to put some headgear on. <laughs> but we make it work, <laughs> most definitely. Okay, sounds good. Now, is is Brian's uh, area code six one five? No. No. Okay, that's somebody else. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I thought he was calling because you know Brian can't stay away. But uh, but uh, um, Kaylee, I'm, before I'm we let Philly, I'm just getting the phone. <laughs> before we let you. Uh, before we let you go, um, why don't you go ahead and share with our listeners where they can find you, where they can follow your journey um, in female boxing and your life and everything that you do outside of it. Um, so that way they can follow you on Instagram or Facebook. Why don't you give out your your social media out there so people can follow you? Um, I don't do Facebook too much, but I um, keep up on my Facebook fan page. It's ko Kaylee K-A-L-I. Reese, R-E-I-S. I'm always on Instagram, um, K-O underscore N-D-N-B-X-R. I'm taking a little bit of a social media break right now, but I, um, you know, pop pop up here and there. Um, I'm pretty active on my stories. I'm not a huge tweeter. I'm not a tweet tweeter, but um, you can find me on Twitter at K-O underscore M-O-C-8-6. Um, I have a lot of a lot of other projects that I'm always into. As would be said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting in and out of the ring. Um, I have another a couple of other interviews I speak on on some other platforms. Um, I got, you know, I'm not just a fighter. You know, I'm a, a youth advocate, a residential counselor. I'm in film. I do, I do it all. So just, you know, keep your eyes wide open because I might be on your screen for boxing. I might be on your screen for something else. You never know. Well, there you have it, folks. With us, Kaylee Reese, former WBC world champion, former uh, welterweight title challenger. We thank you for being with us. Thank you for being on this journey with us since 2006 when we had you on our show number four. And obviously, we hope to have you again soon in the future once uh, everything resumes. So have a good night. Say hi to Brian for us. And, and uh, good luck. Take care. Bye, Brian. Absolutely. Thank you so Bye. much. It's a pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. That is Miss Kaylee Reese with us. She was just on. And actually, the 615 number, um, I don't know who that is, but if they want to call back, we'll go ahead and patch them in if they want to talk about some female boxing. That's a, I mean, the, I, in the whole camp, the, that the most, the majority of Brian's camp is they're like, they're like Kaylee, where they're willing to talk to talk and say what that's on their mind. I mean, Mary McGee's been on here, and she told it how it was, you know, that beef that she had with uh, um, Jessica uh, McCaskill. Um, you know, we had Melissa St. Vale on here. She's told us how it is. Um, Brian, I mean, he's the he's the godfather of telling it how it is. So, um, 
So I really like that because then you could really get some answers, some real answers, and not just some like, um, you know, canned answers from from fighters that they practice all the time. What did you take away from the interview, Lupi? Uh, you know exactly what you said. She's so straight out, and like people like that, you're like, you believe them because you're like, they don't have any reason to lie. They're being pretty straight out. And I like, you need this, well, fans like us or people who want to know everything, you know, because we like all the facts. It's good for us to know stuff like that. We got to know things so we can, you know, make a better, form a better opinion, you know. I, I, I was actually, to her. I was actually surprised yeah. that, um, that <laughs> I was actually surprised that WBC, at least back in 2016, when that fight against Christina Hammer happened, mandated her. They told her she's your number one mandatory, and you need to go to Germany and fight her because they're not willing to do it now. Four years later, but they were willing to do it back then, <laughs> or maybe they're just willing to do it with certain fighters. Who knows? It's all we know it. We know it from the, we, we know it, and David knows it, and we all know it. And and it's been it, it's been what boxing is about it's politics and who you are and who your promoter is and how quickly when they call the president of the sanctioning body, how quickly that president is going to pick up the phone, you know, how fast you can, they're going to pick up the phone is how, how, uh, how things are going to go with your fighter. I mean, that's just the way that boxing is. And unfortunately, you know, we want to believe that it's a it's a even playing field, but it really isn't. But you know what we could do here is talk about it like we do here on this this show, and at the end, you know, enjoy the fights, the fights that we're gonna get, enjoy them, you know. So yeah. let's move on before uh before we get out of here. Let's move on to we were talking about Terry Harper and the fact that Eddie Hearn, her promoter, wants to put on the Natasha Jones fight as soon as possible when fighting resumes. And one of the fights that Eddie Hearn also wants to put on, and he's mentioned it various times during this this pandemic, is putting on the Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano fight. Well, Amanda is all about it. You know, there is a tentative fight of, uh, of the date, actually, of July 4th in Manchester, England. And what she wants to do in that fight and she's mentioned it, is that she wants to be the first Puerto Rican undisputed world champion in its history. You know, she's won seven seven ten titles or nine titles, I believe, in seven divisions, you know. Um, But one thing that none of the 64 champions from Puerto Rico have done is held more than two titles at once. There was a fighter by the name of Jose Torres in the mid-60s, a light heavyweight who held the back then the WBA WBC world title. So in a sense, he was a, the undisputed champion. But not since right. we've had the four sanctioning bodies, the four major, major sanctioning bodies, has any of the 64 Puerto Rican world champions in the past held two or more? Well, actually, held more than two titles because he held two, and I'm sure that you know other ones have held two but none have ever held two. So with the win over Katie Taylor on July 4th, if the fight still goes on on that date behind closed doors in Manchester, England, and if she wins, she will be the first um, undisputed champion from Puerto Rico, which is major. And to me, that means more than the seven division titles that she's won in her career because 
let's be honest, some of those fights were Harley World Championship fights. One, mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. she never defended the titles. Uh, well, not never. Most most of them she never defended. She went down to 115, won the title, left it vacant. But here, she would be winning the title against the the one of the top at least three current world female champions out there. David, how do you weigh the seven divisions versus being the first undisputed in Puerto Rico? Uh, I'm a little different. I, I really think that that those seven divisions was pretty difficult to do. Uh, I, I know making weight and fighting is really hard. I mean, dropping down to 115, that was crazy. I mean, I really thought she was crazy for doing it. And And when she did it, even though she knocked the girl out. I mean, think about it. Dropping down from 140 to 115—that's that's insane. Wow. I mean, what mm-hmm. what fighters would do that? I mean, who's at 140 right now in the men? No, no man would do that. No man True. would do that. But uh, it is a big thing to be undisputed. I mean, to to be from Puerto Rico and, and be established as the first person to win all four belts, I mean, that that is something. I, I really would have to uh, raise the glass to that. Lupi? Yeah, yeah and, and a lot of people will say what you said, Felipe. Oh, well, she didn't really fight anybody, and she didn't, you know, defend it. But if she does this, I mean, she wants it bad, too, because I, I see her working out on social media. She wants it really bad. Yeah, but she is one of the um, – She would Go she ahead. Would shut everybody up. Because if she'll be Katie Taylor and be undisputed, that would just anything any, anybody's ever said about who she's fond or whatever it would it would be silenced, and that's what she wants. She'll she have you seen her workout? She looks good. She's doing she's working hard during this lockdown. Yeah, she's uh she's working. She keeps working, and and she's she's posting her workouts, and she's doing all kinds of different things, and that is and. and and that kind of gives me an indication that perhaps the Fourth of July day um, for for Manchester England might be something that is a go ahead. Um, you know, the one question that I had for Kaylee Reese, and, and I don't know, and I, I haven't seen neither Katie Taylor or Amanda Serrano post the question of uh, of uh, sparring. You know, and if they're going to be able to do some sparring, I know there's other fighters like Terence Crawford and other fighters that have started up camps. And with other fighters, which obviously they're going to be there for sparring. So, you know, people are taking their precautions, I hope, and, 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 and doing what they got to do to stay uh, healthy. So there is, a, there is a way of doing it. I mean, people are willing to risk it and they have, you know, other people in their camp um, so they could provide sparring and, you know, the camaraderie, the camaraderie of, of, of working out together. But I haven't seen Amanda Serrano or have her mention anything about sparring. Neither has Katie Taylor. Katie, what I've seen, Katie Taylor is not as active on social media. But what she's posted, I haven't seen her even mention that she's working out at the gym. I've seen Katie Taylor work out in her house and her garage, putting up like like uh, drills and stuff. But uh, I haven't seen neither one of them mention anything about sparring. So let's see if. Uh, if that makes a difference for that fight on July 4th, if it happens on that date. And lastly, in, in the news that we have here, just recently, in the ongoing saga between Unified Super Welterweight Champion Clarissa Shields 
and Layla Ali, the daughter of the greatest of all time, obviously Muhammad Ali, stated she is very interested in facing Shields, but the deal just has to be right. Obviously talking about the money. The 42-year-old Ali has not fought since 2007 and says there isn't any serious talks as of now, but if it's going to happen, it needs to be sooner than later since she is well aware of her age. Clarissa Shields, obviously not one to not say anything when somebody mentions her, has gone on social media and stated that her promoter, Dimitri Salida, has tried to make inroads in talking to Layla Ali about the fight and that he has only met roadblocks. So I don't know if you have any more news regarding this. Uh, Lupi, I know that you follow Clarissa pretty intently on social media, and I don't know if she has stated something that I haven't seen regarding the fight. No, I haven't seen anything new. Now, one thing uh, that I right did now, see. Clarissa? Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, right now, Clarissa's doing these online workouts, and that's what she's been focusing on from what I see. But I haven't now, seen anything thing, new. Yeah, one thing that I did see that, and I thought it was kind of a poor choice of words by Layla Lee. Um, and I did see the interview, and she did say it in the interview, is that she mentioned that. You know, that whenever she mentions Clarissa Shields, she doesn't have to mention much that Clarissa Shields is willing to do all the promotion because she talks so much on social media regarding Layla Lee, but that Layla Lee had to put a muzzle on her and um, Clarissa Shields on, on, in, on, on her social media really took offense to the word muzzle, obviously, because that is reserved for animals. And I do agree with that. I think that honestly was a poor choice of words of Layla Lee. I don't think she did it intentionally you know, it's just a saying that people say, you know, but I, I just didn't, it didn't sit well um, the way that she, that she said it and the fact that Clarissa Shields really took offense to it. So I, I personally, and I'm going to ask you, Lupi, do we even have, do this, does this fight happen for you, Lupi, at all in the future? No, no, it doesn't. I don't know why it keeps being, I mean, I, I don't Layla doesn't need the press. Maybe she does. I know she has her own brand she's selling. That could be part of the reason she keeps bringing it up. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I've been following this since the very beginning. And when Clarissa went live long a while ago, you know, I, I, Clarissa's one of those people who I don't think she has a reason to lie. And I really believed her when she was saying, you know, I looked at, in my phone, you know, I had her number as my big sis. And, you know, she told me mm. if I ever need anything, you know, to text her. She goes, I used to text her and say, hey, I got my next fight. Here's the, are you going to be there? And she, goes, and she never replied. She never responded. And when I heard that, I mean, Clarissa's a tough girl, but I, just, I heard some hurt in her voice. And she was like, well, why doesn't she support me? Like, I, I don't see why Clarissa doesn't. She doesn't have a reason to lie. You know, she really doesn't. I don't know. Hmm. So I've seen where it started. So I don't know whether Layla had something to, like, to sell her brand or to keep bringing it up or I don't know. Well, I think that Layla, I mean, this is just me talking. This is just my opinion. But I think that Layla really takes offense to um, Clarissa Shields calling herself the greatest of all time, the greatest woman of all time. And, you know, and and, and you got you also got to look at it as Clar- that's Clarissa Shields' way of. I mean, I, I I'm sure that she 100% believes it, and and, and that's her way of, of you know doing what she needs to do. But but it's a way of branding herself as well. I mean, you know, 
you know, there's that, that old saying, there's there's no bad publicity. You know, all is, all of it's publicity. And if yeah. people are talking about you, good or bad, which they tend to do on Twitter and all the social media about Clarissa Shields, more power to her. To her. Like she says, she's, you know, making well nearly a half a million dollars per fight. So if that only helps her keep raking in those checks, the more power to her. But, I mean, it's, it rubs some people the wrong way, and and, and obviously some of the people that rub, that rubs the wrong way is Layla Ali, um, Layla MacArthur, who's also gone on social media with mm-hmm. uh, uh, criticizing the fact that Shields calls herself the greatest woman of all time. So, I mean, she's saying it for a reason, whether she believes it, and I'm sure she does, and whether she she really wants to put it out there, or if she wants to rub people the wrong way so that they can keep talking about her, which is also good for her. She's doing it and and it's making it happen. David, do you think do that we see this fight in the future at all? Mm, not Layla Ali, but I think Layla McCarter. I think that fight can be made, and I think that uh, uh, I think it might even be made before the end of the year. Um, at one fifty four, perhaps that. Yeah, I think uh, after one uh, after Marie Eva Dikari. I think they okay. can make that fight. Uh, now, uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think um, with uh, Clarissa, she's just getting better and better. I mean, mm-hmm. I think for Layla to have a chance to beat her, or to you know match her with her and with her incredible skills, she has to do it now because uh, Clarissa is getting better and better, and she'll be untouchable. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, David. Layla MacArthur, I mean, obviously, she's a great fighter. She hasn't lost in, like, I don't know how many years. You know, certain fighters have dodged her. 13 years. Yeah, certain fighters have ducked her. One of the biggest ones that they they could argue that has ducked her is Cecilia Breakhouse. But at 154 pounds against Clarissa Shields, who's coming down from 160, how how meaningful is a win over Layla MacArthur for, for Clarissa Shields? knowing that the advantage in weight is going to be so massive for Clarissa Shields that that we don't know how competitive this fight's going to be. So how significant can a win over MacArthur be at 154? Now, 147, that's a different picture. But at 154, how, how, how significant can that win be for Shields over MacArthur? Well, I think in terms of people uh, that really know how good Layla MacArthur is, it's a big win. Layla is no slouch. I've seen Layla her entire career, and she really knows what she's doing in there. I've seen her knock out guys. I've seen her spar with Joel Casamayor when he was still fighting. Uh, she's an incredible fighter. She just knows what she's doing. She knows about distance. She knows about uh, angles. She knows about setting up, and she has power. She can really pop. Uh, that's something that Clarissa's learning, and I think if Clarissa, you know, Clarissa beats her, that's a that's a big feather in her cap because Layla is the real deal for people who really know who she is, uh, regardless of her her losses. They 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 really don't know that because there's a lot of organizations that don't even uh, rate Layla McCarter like Boxrec. They don't rate her. They have mm-hmm. her like in the top. 
60 or some ridiculous number. I mean, mm-hmm. this is one of the best fighters around, period. And they, a lot of people don't know that. So it's a big win. Do you agree, Lupi? Yeah, I think it is. So it's, that would be a great – it would be a great fight for both. It would be a great fight for boxing. And I think, David, why people don't know – I think this younger, the newer boxers, they just don't, they don't know. They don't know their history. They don't really care, you know, and that, and that's too bad. It really is too bad because it'd be great to see Layla get out there while she still can. Yeah. I think, I think in a way it's a good fight for Layla MacArthur as well, even though she would be giving up a, a, a fairly sizable advantage in weight and size, because if anybody can, get her the paycheck that she's been looking for for quite a while is Clarissa Shields. Because like we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, she is one of the better paid uh, female fighters out there. I mean, along with Katie Taylor and perhaps Cecilia Breakhouse, they're the ones that are probably making the most money right now in female boxing. So for Showtime to be able to, you know, broadcast that fight, there, there might be a little bit of a, of a, of a budget there to get, to get. Um, now, is it going to be a million dollars for Leila MacArthur, which is the number that has been thrown around of her asking for to face Cecilia Brickhouse? I don't think so. Yeah, I think yeah. we're still a little bit far from a million dollar purse for a female fighter right now, although we're getting closer. Um, but, um, but uh, but it, it's gonna get it's gonna get uh, it's gonna be in the six figures I would imagine that they would need to pay Lena MacArthur to for her to face um, Clarissa Shields. So um, with that said, we've reached the end of our show. Anything that you want to add before we go? Uh, our next show will be on May 28th. We are gonna have author Alicia Doyle on the show uh, with us here. She's gonna be talking to us about uh, her recent book that. Uh, delves into her amateur and professional career uh, some years ago um, and how she got into that in her late 20s, which is pretty interesting. Um, so that's going to be our next show on May 28th. Uh, Lupe, before we go, did you want to add anything? Um, no. Actually, one thought, you know, when and this just popped in my head. You know, you got to be careful. There's a fine line between ru- rubbing people the wrong way mm. and rubbing sponsors the wrong way. And that just popped into my head. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a conversation. Yeah, that's a conversation that you had um, in the past. And actually, we actually had that conversation with um, Mark Taffet, who is the manager, co-manager of. Uh, is he the co-manager? I think he is the co-manager, right? Um, of uh, yeah. of uh, of a. Uh, I know he's a manager, but I don't remember if he was the strict full-on manager or co-manager. But I do believe he's the co-manager of Clarissa Shields. So that is a conversation that we've had with him regarding um, the sponsorship that she may or may not get by the way that she conducts herself sometimes on social media. And he, he gave us some great answers. If you guys are going to go back and, uh, and search for that. I don't remember off the top of my head what episode that is, but I will have the number of that episode on the next show, which I promise to finish my, my uh, Excel spreadsheet. Cause I mean, I have all the time in the world as you might, you might know, David, um, <laughs> What what uh what anything that you want to add any thoughts that you want to share about your pound for pound list that you just posted on the prizefighter dot com? Uh no um I actually 
I wish that uh, they could all fight. <laughs> I mean, w- one thing that, you know, going over these lists is that uh, it makes me realize that why I, I love uh, women's boxing so much. I mean, they're, they're all such great, uh, uh, they're, they're so enthusiastic. Every, every single uh, female fighter is enthusiastic and there's so much love for the sport, you know, and it makes me love the sport even more too, because every time I hear them, just like today with Katie and, with uh, Marie-Yves uh, Dakar, uh, you know, they're just, they're, they're so excited about what they do and they're willing to share it. And they don't do it for nearly as much as they deserve. And uh, that's one thing I just want to part with is the fact that I, I really admire all these fighters, all of them. Mm-hmm. So I agree, I agree with that. And one thing that, that we are seeing is that, you know, and I think that even even when we started and even before we started the show, when we were following female boxing, um, you know, they were always enthusiastic. Even back then when they weren't getting all the exposure that they're getting now. But now with the exposure they're getting now, you know, they're seeing, they might be seeing a little bit light at the end of the tunnel. You know, they might be seeing the fact that it's starting to get better and better and they're getting a lot more attention than before and there's only more attention to be gotten in the future obviously with the pandemic pandemic it has slowed it down a little bit but hopefully it picks it up as soon as the rest of the world picks up uh after this uh hopefully soon um but with that said when we reach the end of our episode number 86 we want to thank kaylee reese for being here with us and all of you for listening and um we'll wait for you on May 28th on our next show, episode number 87 here on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jazz look at the female boxing world. Good night, everybody. Good night. Everybody be safe. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.